Um, I'm Brian Vickers. Uh, you might know that from being here. And uh, let's pray, and we'll, we'll go ahead and get started. Father, we're grateful to you that we can meet here together just freely and just as we want to do. And we're reminded, Lord, or help us to remember that most of our brothers and sisters in the world today cannot um, do this freely. Many could only do it at risk of their lives. Many couldn't do it at all and have no opportunities like this. So, Lord, help us to remember that if we're here today or whatever else we have, even if we have one more breath, it is a gift from you, not a right, not something that we're entitled to, but something we have purely as a gift, just as we have our life in Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. I guess this uh, topic is kind of popular. It usually is. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about myself in a minute and how and why I'm or how it is that I came to be talking on such a thing. Uh, just a little bit of background. I live right here in Louisville. Anybody from Louisville? No? It's always, I'm glad. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm welcome. I'm happy to see you. But it's it's always encouraging for me how many people are not from Louisville. And that's that is how you say it, by the way. It's not Louisville or anything like that. It's Louisville. Just sort of just slur it all together. That's how you say it. If you feel weird saying it, right, well, you know, that's fine. You can say it however you want. Um, but I'm not originally from here. I'm originally from West Virginia, so you know, don't, no comments, please. Um, I mean, you know it's bad. I mean, I'm from West Virginia, and people from Kentucky make fun of me. I mean, right, that's, this gives you some idea of regionally what happens in this part of the world. Um, I teach right down the road, not just a few miles from here at a place called Southern Seminary. Um, I don't teach missions, by the way. I'll go into that in a minute. Uh, but I teach New Testament and various sorts of things like Greek and things there. And I've been there for about 11 years. Uh, I've been at GMHC for, this is my 10th year. Um, and I'm really happy about that. This dawned on me, in fact, this morning, the first time I spoke, my daughter wasn't able to, uh, wasn't really able to walk yet. And now she's 11, so that must mean 10 years. And, so she, and she's here today, too. So she was at the first one, and now, and now 10 years later. So, missionary call. All right. First of all, you don't have to answer out loud. If you do, it's okay. What is a missionary call? Virtually everybody has used that phrase before. Or heard it, at least. Because right? you, you're probably thinking, I never used it. Okay, but you've heard it. You've heard it. And if you've never heard it, you have at least heard it when you saw the title of this talk. All right, so nobody, there's no one without excuse. You've heard it. When you hear it, what do you think? Well, we probably think similar things. At the same time, probably everybody has their own kind of idea of what that might, what that might mean. I mean, what is it? What is it? Is it something we feel? Maybe. Um, what's it mean? Does it mean you're called to a particular place? Uh, does missionary call mean that you're... Uh, you know, you're called to pack up your bags and move somewhere for a lifetime. Sometimes we think of it that way. Here's another question. What's a home call? Like, I'm called, I feel compelled and called. It's home or bust for me. I've been called to stay home. Now, some of you might say I have been, but I bet you, you've never thought about a call to stay home. I, I, I bet you haven't. Though you might think, no, but, but I am. But the thing is, is we don't really sweat it too much when it comes to, like, am I called to stay put where I am? We don't really give that a lot of thought, though I think that we probably actually should. Not whether we stay put, but, I mean, about what we're called to do wherever we are at the moment. 
Because whatever a missionary call is, one thing can't be denied. We are all right here, right now, and not somewhere else. And so, you know, that's something to keep in mind as we move, as we move forward today. Um, I'm really going to just talk about a whole lot of things. It's going to kind of be like a fire hydrant. But that's just kind of how I am personally. And so, you know, I'll do my best to keep it under control. But the first thing I would just say is remember, whatever you think missionary call is, you can't avoid the fact that whatever you think that is in the future, that is not where you are at the moment. And there, there should be a connection between where we are at any given moment and where we think we might be later in a future that is only God's and not ours. Right? So that's just sort of my, that's sort of my first, uh, <clears throat> first thing I wanted to say. Now, you'll notice it's God's guidance and, and then in quotes, the call. And that is because sometimes when I hear the phrase missionary call, what I feel like is we should dim the rooms and get a fog machine and like all kinds of weird lights and maybe put some like ambient music on and just see if we see something happen, right? See if we get some kind of vision, right? And we just can talk in really hushed voices and things like that because we, we, we have this idea that that's, okay, you've probably never thought about it in exactly those terms, but we do think of it in almost unworldly terms or otherworldly terms when in fact most of the stuff that happens to us is very worldly in terms of it happens in the real world where we live practically day to day. Right? I'm not discounting spiritual uh, experiences or anything like that. Don't mishear me. Don't overhear what I'm saying. But the reason I put the call in there is because when we think of it, we do think of it in ways that we don't think of virtually anything else that God does in our life. It's like a special thing that God communicates us, to us in ways that he doesn't communicate other things. But I don't think that's actually the case. I don't think it, it, it might be for some, but I don't think typically God leads us or guides us into missions differently by different means than he leads or guides us every day. Right? Not, not typically. Not typically. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's not your experience, but that's, that's basic, basically what I've thought. Now, when we think of missionary calling... And what it is, let me just tell you what I thought about it for years. When I would think of something like that or hear somebody talk about it, immediately I would think of sort of the top missionary biographies I've ever read. And that's what I thought of. So for me, a missionary call was wrapped up in thinking of somebody who lived in, like, say, the 18th century. Right? Or like in the modern missions movement. People like, you know, like, like people like William Carey or Henry Martin or, or, or and then, and then Hudson Taylor. People like that. And that's how I would conceive of a missionary call. I would conceive of the lives I've read about of people who sort of jumped on a boat in England and then months and months and months later arrived overseas somewhere else and then stayed there basically their whole lives. And that's how I thought of it. I thought of it in terms of like in in, in those sorts of terms um, a lot or maybe most of the time. So sometimes we think so we have a preconceived notion of what a missionary is. Right. There's lots of loaded terms here. If we say missionary call, there's a first question is, well, what's a missionary? And what do you think of when you hear the word missionary? Right? Sort of general things. But we tend to think in sort of prepackaged types of ways, right? um, depending, on, depending on where we come from. The other thing that sometimes we'll think about is when we think of a missionary call is I hear this a lot. I, I, I counsel lots of students and a lot of people considering missions. And a lot of times what I hear is people base a missionary call almost totally on irony, as though God is just filled with irony. So I hear, I hear this, something like this a lot. Here's the story. I hate bugs. 
I hate heat. I hate weird food. I know God's going to send me to a rainforest. As though God's just like this big trickster up there like, I'm going to teach you. Your whole life is going to be a lesson in you liking stuff you hate. That's what I'm up to. And we, treat, and we think God is that way because, because we think he's like us, right? That he's just up there thinking, okay, this guy, let's see, he hates the cold. Siberia it is. Right? And he's just doling out callings based on what we hate and things that we're going to hate and be uncomfortable with. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't be uncomfortable and, and run into things we don't like. But we often think of it that way. And sometimes maybe that happens. But, you know, typically it's the case that God doesn't call us kicking and screaming and crying into where he wants us. Right? Typically it's the case, I found, maybe, I mean, that God leads us to some degree or another, according to our desires. That is when our desires are lined up with his, I mean. I don't just mean any given desire. But when our desires are, when our desires are good and things... Or think of it this way. God tends to, to guide us and lead us in, in ways or towards things for which we have gifts. Right? So God hasn't called me to be a medical missionary. I don't have gifts in those sorts of ways. I don't have the education for it. I don't have the background for it. Um, but God has called me, I found, it took me a long time to figure out what was going on. God was up to it for a long time, and then I finally caught, you know, finally caught a hold of it. It turned out that God was sort of guiding and leading me according to the gifts I have. But problem, the problem is, is we often think about God guiding us and directing us according to gifts other people have. And so a lot of times we'll spend our time wishing that we were other people, or wishing that we had other people's gifts. Or wishing that we had other people's callings. But you have to think about it this way. God already, whoever you're thinking about, God already has that person. And he doesn't need another one. And if he does, he'll make one. But God has made you to be you. And he's given you gifts according to the gifts that he wants you to have. And so, and then at the end of the day, remember this. There'll never be a time where we will stand before God. We will not stand before God in heaven. He will not look at you and say, well, you did all right. That girl over there, she really showed me something. She's like 18. You all were, you were like the JV team. Hey, you did a good job. Don't get me wrong. But I was really impressed with what he showed me. It, it's God. And he calls us all his children through Jesus. And that's his standard, period. That's it. God fully accepts you in Jesus. No more, no less than that. And so God is not in the business of comparing you to someone else. Our only standard is Christ and Christ alone, and that's it. So when we, when we sit and think, this is all sort of preliminary stuff. When we sit and think about God's call and his guidance, what we want to be careful, though, is, is we don't conceive of that meaning, I need to be somebody I'm not. Now, just let me say this once, and I'm not going to say it again. I'm taking for granted, maybe I shouldn't, I'm taking for granted a conversation about uh, sanctification, a, a conversation about being made, into, made, made more and more in con- conform to the image of Jesus, I'm, I'm taking all that sort of as background so we, so we can start and I don't have to keep sort of repeating and saying, no, now what I don't mean, I don't want to keep doing that over and over again. So when I say, to, when I talk about you being who you are, I, I'm not saying that, you know, anything goes, just let it rip, whatever that might mean. I'm talking about in, in you know, in, in, I'm talking about in our context of what we're talking about today. And I'm not going to kind of repeat Bible teaching on everything that happens every time I open my mouth. Though that is my tendency, if you ask my students is it takes me an hour to get anywhere because I'm constantly backtracking to make sure nobody misunderstood me. 
And by that, I accomplish one thing. Nobody understands what I'm talking about. So I'm just going to try not to do that because I can already tell it's irritating some of you that I'm doing it right now. And I can see your face. I teach, students, I teach hundreds of students every week. And trust me, I can see every one of your faces, and I know what you're thinking. And some of you are thinking, you don't know what I'm thinking. I know you the best. I promise. All right? People who think y'all are, you're, like you're hidden. I know you better than the ones that are transparent. And that doesn't make sense. Okay. So anyway, another thing that we sort of think about in terms of the call or guidance is the typical questions that are sometimes mo- that will motivate us by guilt, even if there may be a decent question. I've heard this sometimes. Do you have a legitimate reason not to be overseas right now? And you're thinking, no. But you might, but you hear it that way and you think, no, no, I got, what am I going to do? And so then, no, then what are you doing here? When the answer to that is, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just here right now. I'm not overseas right now. I mean, my legitimate reason for not being overseas right now is that I'm not overseas right now. And I'm actually sitting here listening to you ask me why I'm not overseas right now. That's my best answer. Now, that, there might be something to talk about about what I'm going to do, say, later. But at any given moment, you are just where you are. And if somebody ever asks you, why aren't you somewhere else? You just say, because I'm right here. You know? Unfortunately, maybe, because I'm talking with you. But whatever the case, you just say, I'm right here right now. And so you have to be careful that we don't get motivated by well-meaning people who are maybe motivating us on, by guilt. Because there might be any number of legitimate reasons why you are not somewhere else, like overseas right now in missions. And it might be that missions doesn't just mean being overseas. That's always a remote outside possibility. And by that, I mean it's a real possibility. Right? So we want to be careful. We want to be careful because guilt is a really bad motivator. It is only a good motiv- motivator for like a nano split second. That's it. Then you've got to do away with guilt and understand that God says to you, you're not guilty. You're not guilty. I've removed your guilt in Christ. And you have to, so you have to, it's either you believe what God says or you believe like the voices in your head. Because God does not look at you as guilty. Guilt doesn't motivate us. It might help us like sort of wake up and repent, but that's it. That's it. The good news is, is you can any any guilt you're carrying, you're free to shed that because Christ has taken care of it all. Even the guilt you might be feeling right now for not being overseas for, at this moment. All right. So anyway, I can remember what's next. I can remember. I, I've heard something like this too. Everyone has a call to go to the nation. It's just a matter of whether you'll follow it. I've heard this too. I mean, and some of you who've been around the block a couple of times, you've heard things like this, and maybe even if you haven't. Now, that is a very loaded statement, right? Because everyone has a call to go to the nations. Now, there's a way you can push this through enough filters to it be exactly true. Get like, for instance, the fact that we actually live in the nations right now, right? So that makes it true no matter what. Now, we often forget. Because we, we, we have a tendency to think that things begin with us, and we think about going to the nations as though it begins here, and the nations are all out there. I don't know what that makes us. Because, you know, there are nations that send people here in an effort to go to the nations. We're often not aware of that as Americans. But uh, I, know, I know quite a few people who, uh, uh, quite a few of my students from um, other countries who remind me that missionaries from their country come here because they watch our news and they, they, they see stuff that's going on here and they think, you know what, that place needs is the gospel. 
we got to go to the nations, and the, to them, the nations are us. But we, I mean, we, we never think, we should think about that way, but we never think about that way. So, I can remember one time, I used to live, it doesn't matter where I live, but it was outside of Chicago. I guess it's important for the story. And it was a really bad, a really, really bad heat wave that year. Uh, I, was, I was in grad school, and my wife and I were living up there. And uh, it was horrible, horrible heat wave, unrelenting. And... Sadly, many people who had nowhere to live, people, homeless people, many people died that year of, of heat exhaustion, heat stroke. And it was, it, was tra- it was awful. And I visited this church because a friend told me I should. And uh, there was a visiting, uh, visiting speaker that day, and he was a, a former missions agency. I don't remember the agency. I don't remember where he's based from or anything like that. And he almost led off this way. And now, Grant, you have to understand, this was just in the news a couple days earlier. And he said, today you have, to de- you have to choose. He was like pointing, looking at people in the face. I was near the front, and he was pointing at everybody. And he said, you have to choose today. You want to die in some unmarked grave in Chicago or go down in a blaze of glory in the nations for Jesus? I'm like, is that my only two options? I don't <laughs> is there a third? Is there a third way that I could, I could choose? Because... Obviously, I don't, I mean, maybe I don't care if I die in an unmarked grave, but blaze of glory for Jesus in the nations, I don't even know what that means, <laughs> right? And I'm afraid it means exactly the way it sounds, right? And so, but that is, that is one of those things that sort of mot- it tries to motivate you by guilt. And I think the guy was well-intended, and he was probably always that way. But he had done some good things, and I don't want to take away from that, but I can remember feeling... Absolutely motivated by guilt. And the minute I talked to somebody afterwards, all they did was talk about how they had wasted their whole entire life because they weren't overseas and hadn't been overseas their whole life. So anyway, that is a big, long intro. Now, let me tell you about myself so you can understand exactly why they've asked me to come and talk about this. I am not a missionary, and I've never been a missionary. And I'm using missionary in a very traditional sense. Right? I could change it, but I'm not. I'm just going to use a very traditional sense. I'm not preparing to go. It is not on my, I mean, I may, I may talk to one of you after this and you might say, hey, I've got an opportunity wherever, you know, like West Mongolia, you're the guy. And I might say, okay, let's do it. So that could change immediately. But as, as far as I know, not preparing to go. I am not a missions teacher professionally. I know lots of missions teachers. I have a lot of colleagues who are missions teachers. I've never taught a formal class on missions ever. Not ever. I mean, I speak a lot of missions conferences, but, you know, I'm a teacher for a living, but I've never taught a missions class. Well, teach New Testament, I work in it, but, I, but nothing called missions. And I'm not a missions pastor, and I've never been a missions pastor, so you're thinking, great, they really brought in the experts for this one, right? I mean, next, what's next? I'm going to do something like neurosurgery and tell you, now, I haven't actually been to med school, but, you know, I have a brain, and I kind of, I read a book about how it works. So we can just kick around some general ideas, and I can, you know, and I know maybe you're getting ready to, to, to graduate from med school, and I'm going to tell you all the really important stuff. Now, now this is all true, and as far as I know, it's going to remain true. But the reason I put this up there is, one, it's kind of funny. But two, this was my big problem for years as I personally tried to conceive of what a missionary call was. Now, I'll explain what this means. I was really aware of all these things. Now, 
let me tell you how I actually got started into, in, into being involved in missions. Now, of course, I was always interested in missions. You know, any Christian, you don't ask any Christian, are you interested in missionary? Like, no. There actually is actually, I, I, there actually is a group. I, there is a, actually a group called non-missionary Baptists. That's not all Baptists. I'm a Baptist, but that is not all Baptists. They're actually literally called non-missionary Baptists, and it is. And you're thinking, what's that mean? It means exactly like the way it sounds. Now, they don't have like a lot of longevity in terms of, you know, producing more people, so they kind of die out after a while. It's all converts. I mean, if you really want to join up with that. Uh, but, you know, it's, they're kind of doomed to obsolescence just by the name, right? Non, I mean, what's going to happen, right? Just anyway. So, of course, everybody's interested in missions. I mean, who isn't? And I was. I gave to missions. I read missions books. You know, I would love to listen. I love to listen to missionaries. Some of my best friends were missionaries. But I never had done anything like that. And, and I knew I wasn't, I knew, I knew that I wasn't changing geographically. And in my mind, that meant I'm not in missions. Right? right? And so, one day I'm in church. It's a good start. I'm, I'm, walking, I'm walking out. I'm trying to find my wife or whatever it was I was doing. And I, I'm, I'll never forget this day because I don't have these experiences very often. I'm sort of just a straight up kind of person. And I felt a distinct tap on my right shoulder. I mean, I, like as well as I can feel this. And I turned around. There was nobody there. Nobody. Well, this guy, he was over here. He'd done one of these crazy things where he reached across my shoulder and tapped on me. And so I was here, like, where is... No, oh, there you are. Right? So that was my spiritual missionary call. That's how it began. A, you know, like, a, like a ghost tapping me on the shoulder. It turns out it's some wise guy who thought he was being funny. But I fell for it. And he says, hey, uh, here's the thing. I'm on a mission team as a student. And we just lost our faculty advisor, our faculty leader, because he's, I don't know, I can't remember why. We need somebody or we can't go, and we've already paid our money, and we really want to go, and we're going to India. Do you think you could think about it? And I said, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, that's how fast it was. That's all, the prep, that's all the prep I had. That was the extent of my call with some kid, no, sorry, a young man asking me if I would go on this mission trip. And so I did. Now, obviously, and, and I said, well, I guess I should run it by my wife. <laughs> She's going to say yes, but, you know, just yeah, for form's sake. And she was like, of course. Um, and so I, I, I did, and I went. Now, obviously, that's a lot different. It was a three-week trip. That's a lot different than saying I'm going to pack up and move to, you know, Sri Lanka or something like that or wherever. That's way different. You, know, you don't have to think about it as much, though, I've met plenty of students who I say, hey, I'm leading a mission trip. I lead, I lead about three or four mission trips a year. And I'll say, or two to four, whatever. And I'll say, do you want to go? And, and students will be like, yeah, but I just need to pray on it for a while. I'm like, okay, I'm all for praying. And then two weeks later, do you want to go? I'm still praying. I'm like, look, what are you praying about exactly? Whether God wants me to go. I'm like, what do you, what do you, how are you going to know that? I mean, there's a trip for students you're a student at Southern Seminary that's sponsoring the trip. It's two weeks. You have the money. I don't, what, what do you want God to tell you? And in fact, I said, look, look at it this way. God just told you, right? <laughs> Speaking through me. I'm just telling you. Now, he didn't tell me ahead of time, but I'm just telling you, that's, it's, it's as easy as that. 
the door's open. Just go if you want to go. And like, well, I don't want to do it for selfish reasons. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't want to do it for selfish reasons. Just go. Just, just come on. Now, that sort of strategy, I'm not kidding. You might think that's like I'm making that up, but I'm not. I go through this every time I have a trip, short-term trip. Because people are like, I don't know if God's calling me. I'm like, I'm calling you to what? Two weeks. Just try. If God doesn't want you to go, he'll stop the plane. He'll do any number of things, right? Any number of things. He'll, he'll make you break down on the way to the airport that morning. He'll give you influenza. I don't know. I never have said influenza in my life. I usually just say flu. But I'm in a medical conference, right? And so I'm, I'm just overwhelmed with the culture. So, sorry. And so anyway, so we put all this, we put all this sort of thought into it. And it's good to be thoughtful but what are we waiting for? Because you put that on a large scale. Now you're looking at somebody who's thinking about going overseas forever. And so I was traveling overseas three or four times a year, maximum, sometimes less. And let me tell you what happened. Because I'm, I'm a very introverted sort of person, like when I'm alone. <laughs> and so anyway, anyway, I would go overseas and my wife would travel with me. And I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. I'm not lying. That doesn't mean everything else I say is a lie, but I'm not, definitely not lying now. I would lay awake at night thinking, God, what are you doing in my life? Are you going to put me in missions or not? I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, I had journals that would go on just for, I hate, they're so agonizing for me to look at now. Just pages of, I, I mean, I want to go overseas. Uh, I'm ready to go overseas. Denise, that's my wife. She wants to go overseas. We want to raise our daughter, Jamie, overseas. I, I know people who are asking me to come. I just don't, why isn't God opening the doors? I mean, I'm ready. And that's, that's what I spent my whole, I spent like two years wrestling with, why am I not called into missions? Now, meanwhile, I'm actually overseas like three times a year. And speaking at conferences like GMHC and other places, and actively counseling students who are going into missions and, and writing and doing all kinds of other things. But you see, I hadn't got that sort of call. And so one day I was speaking to a, and missionaries probably hated for me to come because all I would do is talk about how God's not calling me into missions. I don't know why. And so I'm talking to this guy and his wife, and they were in Bangladesh. Actually, we were in West Bengal. They had come over for a, for something, and and I said, you know, I'm just I just don't get it. I want to be in missions. And the guy the guy looks at me and says, I'm sorry, where are you right now? <laughs> And this is a very no-nonsense guy. I mean, he lived in a, in a house in, in, in Dacha, and his kids had to play on the roof. But I said to him, that must be hard on him. He's like, what do you mean hard? Kids think everything's awesome unless you tell them it's horrible. My kids think it's great playing on a roof in Dhaka because that's all they know. And, and, and so uh, let's, let's file that one away for later. And so he said, uh, where are you right now? I said, well, you know, right here. And he said, where did I meet you? I said, well, we met in Chiang Mai, Thailand when I was teaching. And he said, and... Where are you going? Where did you just come from? Or, going, or where are you going in like next month? I said, Indonesia. He said, what, what do you think God is doing in your life? Already. He's like, that's I was like, yeah, but he's like, there's no buts. He said, I'm here full time for now. And God has you doing something else. So he said, I don't, what I don't understand is why are you saying what I'm doing is missions, but what you're doing is what? What is it? And why do you just want to do something else other than what God is having you do? And that was like lights going off. Now, when I say lights going off, it took me like another eight months for me to think, you know what, he's right. You know, because I first sat there and I was like, well, that's good for you. And I'm sure that counts for every other human being. But I, of course, am a special case. 
right? Because we all sort of think that we're, and you know, we are, everybody's special, don't get me wrong. But, but we all sort of think that the rules apply differently to me than like everybody else. And so it finally dawned on me, you know what? God has actually led me to be involved in missions in lots of different ways. But because I had a preconceived idea of what a calling is, and I had a preconceived idea of what a missionary is or what missions is, I totally missed it and spent a lot of my time kind of being miserable and making other people miserable when all along God had actually guided me. But He had guided me according to the way He wanted to do it and not according to my prearranged plans. And so I think that's something really important to do. And then, and so then I started to think, well, what does the Bible have to say about it? As we look at what the Bible has to say about missions and our calling, I, I, one question and one statement for you. The first question is this. What is your life like right now? What is your life like right now? And the reason I'm asking is because it's really important to understand what your life is like right now if you want to think about what your life would be somewhere else. Because it will be the same. It's really important. We have this weird idea. I've had it my whole life. And that is, if you just take me and put me in a place where I'm the only one who looks like me for the first time in my life, I'm the only one who doesn't speak the language, I don't even know how to buy groceries or hail a cab, I mean, I can barely even get in a cab, I don't know how this money works, we somehow think that if we get in a situation like that, we're going to be bolder or more sort of on message. But you know what? You're not. Because you know why? Geography doesn't change you. But sometimes we're waiting. We're waiting because we think, you know what's going to make me a different person is geography. Now, nobody's ever said that to themselves. But when we think about missions, we think it that way. And that's why I ask you, what's your life like right now? Because whatever your life is like right now is the best barometer, best gauge you have for what your life would be if God puts you somewhere else. Because you'll still be you. And we spend a lot of our time thinking about a future that's only God's and not ours. And so it's something to keep in mind. Because whatever you put in your bags, I don't mean your, your physical stuff, whatever baggage you take, you get overseas, it's going to be there. And it's going to be even worse. Because now you're in an uncomfortable situation. And nobody, nobody sort of shines immediately in uncomfortable situations. Cross-cultural situations are not going to make you bolder and more out there for the kingdom they will most likely have the opposite effect. It makes you more uncomfortable. So don't, don't, live, don't live according to your projected self that you might be if you just could get overseas somewhere. But rather think about, in a non-projection kind of way, what am, I like on a rea- what am I like this moment? What's my reality like every day? What's important to me? Because you know the way we spend our time just tells us this is the most important thing for us. And that's, not, that's also true if you live overseas in a traditional sense as a missionary. How you spend your time tells you what you are or what you're like or what's important to you, right? At least on some levels. And so that's the two things. So what's your life like now? And then the next statement is the statement that is geography by itself will not change that. All right. So I started looking at the Bible. Now, when you think of the Bible, first thing that comes to mind probably in missions is what? The Great Commission. I just, and sometimes people give me a different answer, so I've learned just to answer it myself really fast. <laughs> you think of the Great Commission. And that's a great text. That's a good text to think of. It's, that's, I can understand why. But you know what? The Great Commission 
is this saying something? One of the things, it's saying many things. One of the things it's saying is, hey, you know what? This story that's been going on for a long time, God has made it true. God's made it come to, come to pass. God has fulfilled his promise. Because when, when Jesus says, go out into all the world, um, what he's saying to them is, hey, the promise the Father made to Abraham centuries ago to be a blessing to the nations, you're it. The gospel is the blessing to the nations. That's how Abraham turns out to be a blessing to the nations is because the gospel that was first preached to Abraham, according to Paul in Galatians 3, the gospel that was first preached to Abraham is the blessing. And so the blessing of being part of the kingdom and and, and being a disciple of Jesus and going into the nations just means, you know what? Oh, oh, you know what? In whatever whatever way, shape, or form... I'm going to take part in this story that's much bigger than me. So the, the first thing about our missionary call is, it's not even really our call. It's God's story. And it's what God is up to. It's, it's God's mission. That's the first And so what that, that, what that means is, there's all kinds of ways to bring that about. Because you're not responsible and you're not the one who has to set it in motion or be the caretaker of it. And it goes way back. So who's Abram? Right? Abram's just some guy who worshipped idols. That's who he was. He wasn't like a standout. God didn't look around the world and think, now there's a guy I can work with. No. He lived in a place that we now call Iraq. And he worshipped idols, just like his dad did. And God went to him and called him. Right? And we just get this little piece of it. And he says, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, hopefully, now when you hear this, you think just a little bit different about it. Because that is how the nations, that's how all people on earth are blessed. They're, you know how people the nations are blessed? By hearing the gospel that Jesus is Lord of the nations. That's the blessing. There's not a bigger blessing than that. Anything else is a lesser, a lesser blessing. So when God calls us into missions, you know, what he's calling us to do is to do what? Go out and tell people God keeps his promises. Which means that can take all kinds of different forms. That can be connected to all kinds of different gifts. That can be connected to all kinds of different personalities. And that can be connected to all kinds of different geographies. In fact, it is connected to all those things I just said. If there's one thing that's true about going out and sharing the message that God keeps His promise in Jesus and being a blessing to the nations, it's this. All you've got to do is be wherever you are. Right? Now... I'm not discounting that, you know, we think about the future. But all I'm saying is, this is our reality every minute of the day. It's not just once you pack your bags and go somewhere else. It doesn't begin when you get someplace else. It's already begun in the resurrection of Jesus. And Him ascending into heaven and sitting down as King of the world. And that's what we do. We go out and share this message that Jesus is the King. And we share this message of good, of good news with everybody. Why? Because God intended all along to bless the nations. And he, this is how he does it. And so that's your story. Right? So 
we can think again. And what this does is it takes a lot of burden and pressure off of you. And what it means is, all you got to do is, and it's a big job when I say all you got to do, you just, you need to, all, all you really have to do is figure out what has God made me to do? What are the things that I do? How has God gifted me? And then, you know, we might go to the Bible and look for answers about those questions. Whoops. And what we find, first find, what we first find is in the Bible, there's not a whole lot of, there's not a whole lot of talk about how particular people get called into missions. Now, I know you might be thinking Paul. You might be thinking of Paul and a couple others, but by and large, we don't have stories about each person. Now, God have appeared to each person and said, no, I want you to go here. I want you to go there. Now, we know it happens with, with, with some of the apostles, but not all of them. We don't know. What we get is a report of how they were starting to be a blessing to the nations. And we know that Paul was called to be, a, uh, uh, called to be a, the apostle to the Gentiles, though he went to synagogues constantly. And we know Peter was uh, called to be... Uh, um, called to go and or stay to go and minister to people of Jewish background to Jews. And we, and, but we also know that he went to other places where Jews weren't. So uh, so what we get is we get this report of here's how they did it or here's what they did. And what we get is this report of not a lot of report of people like, what do I do? What do I do? Where do I go? It's all about them carrying out the message wherever they were and then beyond. But it was always about the message and the, and, the, and the business of being a blessing to the nations, whatever that meant. And so, that's why you got, I'm not going to read all these. It's a bunch of texts from Acts. And then it ends with this great thing. You remember at the beginning of Acts, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. Right? And that, and that fulfills Zechariah and Isaiah. I won't get into that too much um, at all. And so, at the end, it ends with Paul in Rome, which is kind of the ends of the earth. You know, there's a good reason why the people say all roads lead to Rome. Uh, and he's preaching the kingdom of God with all boldness and without hindrance, even though he was in jail. Now, can you imagine asking Paul, what, what, what's your calling? God's calling me to go to jail. I know it. I can feel it. Because I hate prison. God's going to put me in prison. <laughs> right? And so, but that's not what happened. But, but it didn't stop him. The, the greatest missionary and greatest theologian in the history of the church ever since Jesus was in prison. And it didn't stop him for a second. And it didn't stop everybody else. And because that was, that was their thing. And this is, what, this is how the Bible reports the story. Just like this. Now, you might sometimes think about, well, but what's it look like for me? How does God, how does God call me? Well, sometimes we, we conceive of it this way. Because you keep going to the Bible looking for like the verse that tells you where to go and what to be. And we keep sort of not finding it unless we really, 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 really want it to be there. And then it's hard to find somebody else who says, yeah, that, that's right. You're reading that verse correctly. And so one thing I hear a lot is I'm waiting for a Macedonian call. Now, you may have never heard this phrase before, but it's a really it's a famous event in Acts in the, in the, in the, in, because people don't really talk this way anymore. Right. This is the way my, I, can, I can remember my parents and others talking about Macedonian calls. That guy had a Macedonian call. I don't know what that means, but so here's what happens. Here's what happened. Paul was out, and uh, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing, begging him, "Come over to Macedonia and help us." After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so people read this text and think, "That's what I want. That's that's it. Give me that." 
and then I'll know what to do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of sit at home and wait. Because this is what I need. God did it for Paul, right? He can do it for me. And so we wait for something sort of like that. Now, I'm not saying that this kind of thing never happens. So, if don't, don't, again, don't overhear me. But here's one thing I can say 100% for certain. It's one thing to want one of these. It's another thing to consider what Paul was already doing when he had it. What was he already doing? He was already out on what we now call missions. That's an important point that's often left out when people start talking about the Macedonian call, is this is a call that came to somebody who was already out doing the same work. He's just called to do it somewhere else. He wasn't called to sort of like, okay, quit doing nothing and go to Macedonia. Right? He wasn't, that wasn't it at all. And so you have to keep that in mind. You have to keep that in mind. So I'm not, we won't even get into how God communicates to people and how we know and those kind of things. It's beside the point because the point is, however it happens, this particular story happened when somebody was already out doing the same work that he was called to do somewhere else. He wasn't doing something different or nothing or just thinking, what's God want me to do? What's God want me to do? I don't know what God wants me to do. And meanwhile, there's all kinds of things to do all around it. Right? So one of the things you can see definitely from the Apostle Paul is this, that he didn't conceive of his life as just some future event that will begin as soon as he gets over this hurdle. Right? As soon as he finishes you know, this semester. I, I still think in terms of semesters because I'm a teacher. My whole life is based on if I can just get this semester out of the way, then and, but what happens? Well, another one starts. And I get, in this, I get in this constant cycle of if I could just get through one more thing, then I can really start doing some stuff. And it turns into a huge cycle. And we sort of think about missions in the same way. You just get me out there one of these days, and then I'll be doing some stuff. Well, you know what you find? You know what I hear from reports about from missionaries all the time? Guess, what I, guess how I spent my last three days? What? Standing in line trying to pay an electric bill. Right? That's the reality of it. Because it turns out that life is pretty similar all over the world. Right? In, 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 sort of, in terms of being filled with daily sorts of things. It's not filled with gigantic, sort of, it's not filled with gigantic you know, events that everybody says, I can't wait to write a biography about that person in their life. Because God calls us and sends us and guides us into different sorts of places. The question is, The question is, are we open to what that really means for us in our lives according to who we are at any given moment? Or do we just have a preconceived idea that God will give me some kind of supernatural vision to tell me to go somewhere else? Or missions looks like X, Y, and Z. Missions looks like a particular thing. Or a missionary is a particular sort of person. He's not. She's not. Right? And one of the things that makes this conference so special, and, what, and, and this, is, this was new to me 10 years ago, and that is a whole bunch of people who are thinking, hey, you know what? I have all this training, all this background in medicine, or I'm getting the training, or I'm wanting to, or whatever. I'm going to use that in missions. It wasn't all that long ago, and I'm sorry to say there's some people who are still this way who would say, now you're talking about missions or medicine. Which is it? There's people who think, I, I'm not, I don't think that way. But, but that's, but you know why? Because we think of missions in terms of just one way, just one thing, when in fact it's all hands on deck. 
What do you got? What has God given you to do? There's nothing in the Bible that says that any one of you is disqualified because you don't have the requisite gifts. Because you do. You know what it is? It's the gift of the Spirit that everybody who believes in Jesus has. Which means, which means you can figure out what does God want me to do right now? And that will be, thinking of the, that way in very practical daily terms, is the way that you will find out sooner or later, one way or another, maybe looking back on it, how God is guiding you into other things. Because what the Bible talks about, that's, I'm not, that's a really great text, I'm not going to talk about it. What the Bible talks is about our lives is this way. The Bible doesn't first and foremost talk about our lives in terms of what we do. It is who we are and what we are. Which means the most important thing you can do in preparation for missions is to think, think carefully about the way the Bible, the Bible describes who we should be. Because God is far more concerned with faith and faithfulness than what your job description is. In fact, what your job description means nothing without faith and faithfulness. Nothing. I don't care who you are or what you do. And so, you know, and so we, the, we, we start off by thinking, well, you know what? My days really are in God's hands. And so we know that, but we have to live it out. Right? And by verses like this. My frame was not hidden from you. This is speaking to God. Uh, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, everybody reads that. I'm sure I read this and everybody thinks, yes. But the trick is, is applying it to ourselves for that to actually matter in our daily life and not just be some kind of theory about how God is in control of things. God is as in control of your future uh, as he is in control of creating you. No less. Which means there's a whole lot of burden taken away from you if you would just let it go. I'm not saying be passive or anything like that. But a lot of the things that we carry around and a lot of things we struggle with all the time, we're struggling with things that only God can solve because we don't have access to the future. And so you're freed up to, you're freed up to live a Christ-like life right now in relationship to all the people around you at any given moment. And then see how God guides you. Because He doesn't guide you with a roadmap typically. What are other things that the Bible says? I've already talked about this. This is... Common, well-known. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. He will make your path straight. That's a verse we like to quote a lot, but how, how often do we apply that to seeking out how God is guiding us into missions? And we're called to live for God. Right? Across the board. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then what? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we spend all of our time just conceiving, if we just spend all of our time just conceiving of what God's will is for my future, and we skip all this, we shouldn't be surprised when that future just remains completely elusive and always in the future and never really arrives. Because what Paul is saying is this. Here's how you know the will of God. The will of God is your sanctification. That's what, that's what the will of God is. God's will is that you be made more and more and more into the image of Jesus. That's His will for your life. You know what it, we know what it is. 
And there's nothing greater than that. And he uses imperfect people like us who, are, who were dead in our trespasses and sins. He uses people like us to do what? To take the blessing that he keeps his promise to the nations. And so, you might think, wow, this guy has still not really talked about missionary call and guidance and any of that kind of stuff. And I really haven't in some ways. Because God calls us, in all, God calls us according to all the different things that we are. Every single one of you, there's something about you that, say, a famous missionary like, I don't know, Hudson Taylor didn't have. Every single person in here has some gift that the, the most, has some gift that, um, say, Nate Saint didn't have. Maybe I should try to be a little more modernist, but it's just true. Every single person in here has, there's something that you can do and something you can contribute, something you can use in missions that Jim Elliott couldn't do. And I know that because if God needed another, he would have made another. But he made you. And so you don't have to think, oh, I just wish I was somebody else. But you're not going to be. And God doesn't want you to be. God wants you. God wants you to live as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your true and proper worship. And one of the ways that's hardwired into us to do this is to be a blessing to the nations. And we're in the nations already. So you may, and I hope, Lord Lord willing, and I hope that you will end up someplace where they need you, where people are needed to whatever your gifts are, whatever those gifts are and and wherever they're needed, I hope God places you there. And maybe that will be overseas, and I hope that it is. Maybe it will be an unreached people group. I hope that it is. You know, and maybe, the, maybe it'll be in a place where people are in desperate need of, of whatever you can provide for them, say medically or any, any number of other things, or physically, whatever it is, whatever you got. I hope all that's true. But the thing is, is we can't just conceive of a missionary call as just when that happens. I was one time in it. This is the last thing I'll say. I'll tell this story. It's a, sort of a sad note to end on. I was preaching at church, and I was, um, I was preaching on a text from, uh, Therefore, beloved brethren, be, be steadfast and movable, always abandon the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And I was trying to make this great point, that I thought, about how, look, it's daily life. It's not just the preachers and the mission. It's everybody. And after it was over, this, this lady, sweet old lady, came up to me, and she was in tears. And I was thinking, I nailed this one. The sermon was a home run. And she looked at me and said, I realized during your sermon yet again that I wasted my whole life by not going into missions. Is the opposite of what I had just said. Now, you know, I'm, and this is not about how she misunderstood me. And I probably wasn't even all that clear. But the thing that struck me was, here's a woman, she had lived a faithful life her whole life. This was up, I'm not kidding, you might think, um, this was up literally in the mountains in West Virginia. You've got to go to a place you've never heard of, go to another place you've never heard of, go to another place you've never heard of, and make a left and keep going to get there. And, and so, and she'd lived there. She was, in, she was nearly 90. She'd lived her whole life, and what she had done was she had raised something like six kids. Her husband had died literally decades earlier. And she kept raising her kids and doing what she did every day. She... She meant she, everybody knew her as somebody who was always doing something for somebody else, even though she had nothing. And here she was, this poor lady at the end of her life, near the end of her life, in tears, thinking about how she'd wasted her life. 
And it turns out that at some point or another, she had been told and had heard, you know, something similar to, you want to die in an unmarked grave or go down in a blaze of glory. Now, her life wasn't wasted. And what she's, and it, it's tragic the way she looked at it, but she's going to get to heaven and find out that God's perspective and her perspective are totally different on what makes a good Christian life. So we're, but wherever we are, whatever we do, that is up to God. There are doors open all around. You should try to go through all of them. All of them. Anything. Whatever you got. You, you go up through the exhibit hall, you see something. I'm interested in that. So try, try to do it. If, if God doesn't want you, He'll shut it. And you'll know. The door is... Right? It might take you. It might be like me. And it takes you a long time to see that the door's been slammed in your face. But God will shut it. So there's any number of things you can do. The whole world, the whole kingdom is open to you to do whatever it is that you look at it and think... You know, God might have a place for me there. Try to do it. Why not? God will shut it down because that's not the most important thing to God. The most important thing to God is that we believe in Jesus and that we share Him with others. That is the most important thing with God, regardless of what gifts you have. And God can use you in any place in the world. Right? And will. And so we just have to start thinking about what's that look, what's that look like for me today? And then we can maybe start to understand how God guides us. I think we have just a minute or two left. I usually go way too long. Uh, if you have any questions or anything like that, you might not, um, which is fine. Any, any questions or comments or anything, that if you want to chime in, that's fine. Otherwise, I think I've gone almost right up to the time. Yes? So, uh, going back to something towards the beginning, you said we're going to go to the nations, like how that's overgeneralized. Yeah. And how we are one of those nations. Yeah. Oh, no, well, yeah, no. Well, wait, because I, I, I still think that's the thing to do. I'm not saying, don't miss, I mean, I'm not saying what we therefore need to do is never go anywhere. Right? We do. Um, it's just we have to understand that at any given moment we're not somewhere else. Though, you know, we can be planning to do that. I, I look at it this way. Here's how I, like, that was, a, everybody is in missions just whether you will or not. I look at it this way. My good friend David Sills, who wrote a great book called The Missionary Call, that I really recommend. I put, I put it on the website. You can see it. Um, he runs this organization called Reaching and Teaching. It's an excellent, it's an excellent, excellent organization. He's, he's, he was one of the plenary speakers here last year. In fact, I introduced him as a great mother to many people. It was really a stellar moment in my life. And so, uh, so one thing David always says to people, you're involved, if you're a Christian, you're in missions, either by going or by sending. Either going yourself or supporting those who do in any number of ways. And so I guess, you know, that's probably too simple of an answer for your question. But, I mean, I'm, I'm full steam ahead to getting to unreached people groups with the message of the gospel and with all kinds of different things that we can help and provide. But the big thing is, is to get there and train them so they can do the work in their own place. Right? Not so we can come in and say, here's how you do it. But we come there simply with the message and for whatever, whatever way we're, I mean, ideally, in whatever way we can, we train them so that they can take the message in their language to their own people. Right? I, I think that's the best thing we can think about when we get to an unreached people group is to train them to go reach the group beyond them. And so, I mean, that's, if I think of sort of one thing that I'm, the one specific sort of calling and missions I'm passionate about, that's, that's the thing it is. That and training. 
That's why I'm so involved in training pastors overseas um, is because I, 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 the way I see it, the most effective people in any culture is going to be people from that culture. And so for a long time, you know, we didn't sort of maybe think of it that way. But that is 100% how I, how I view it. So, you know, a lot of times these days we need to think about missions in terms, in other terms then, sort of long term in one place. That's still a thing to do, right? But for too many decades, we only thought of, like, transplanting me and all my stuff somewhere else. Some people, they are called to do that. But we need to think of missions as, just, as more than that, too. All right. Blessings, everybody. Thanks for being here, and uh, look forward to seeing you again. If you want my contact information, I'm not saying you do, there's some stickers up here you can take, and it'll give you my email and whatever else. Actually, it's just my email. Thanks. Right.